So we've been in a series entitled Be. To be means to exist or to live. I've been asking this question because God's been asking this question of me. How do you want to be in 2016? How do you want to be? How do you want to live? How do you want to exist? So we talked about being near God. I want to be near God in 2016. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit in 2016. Uh, I, I want to be united with the people of God in 2016. But today we're going to get really, really practical. I'm going to share with you something from Scripture that I want to be in 2016. And I believe if you'll take this message home with you, and if you'll apply it to your life, it has the potential to affect every area of your life for the positive. And when you look up at the end of this year and the end of this decade, you will say, if I could, if I could just do this, my life would be changed. There's some very practical things in here, but there are secrets that if we would actually use them, it would change our life. I want you to grab your Bibles with me, and I want you to open to Ephesians chapter 5 one more time. This is a verse that we have uh, been in uh, for a couple of weeks now. Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll pull out a little bit different part of the verse than maybe we've hit uh, as of yet. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. If you're there with me, say amen. amen. In the book of Ephesians, what a great letter that Paul wrote here. Um, he's trying to help them understand their new life and how to live in it. They were getting off base. They were falling back into old ways. And, you know, it, without being too spiritual, I think you might could understand some of the reasons why. Um, the, the church in Ephesus before they were saved, before, before Paul preached to them and they had given their life to Jesus, the, the way that they worshipped in Ephesus, as with many of the other towns and cities around there, uh, not in the church, but in the temples that they worshipped at before Jesus, part of their daily worship and their weekly worship was they would go to the temple and they would do a couple of things. One is they would go to the temple and they would get drunk, and that was part of their worship. And the second is, they would, the men would go to the temple, and part of their worship to these pagan gods was they would sleep with prostitutes. So now, all of a sudden, these men have been, part of their worship was going to the temple, getting drunk, sleeping with prostitutes, and all of that in, a, in the context of worshiping God. Well, now, Paul is like, that's no longer part of our worship. That's not good. That's sin. And, but these guys were trying to live their new life and yet worship the way they used to worship. Paul said, I'm going to have to bring you back into track just a little bit here. We're going to have to talk about this a little bit. And that's a lot of what his letter is about, teaching them how to walk in this new life and the benefits of it, the reasons why we do it and the benefits of it. In verse 15 uh, of chapter 5, um, he says this, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand. And, and I want you to, uh, to make special note of that word understand right there. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Paul says, be careful how you live. Well, let's go over to Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 1 now. 
How wonderful to be wise, to analyze and interpret things. Wisdom lights up a person's face. It's softening its harshness. Here's what the, here's what the wisest man in the world said to us, other than Jesus. He said, how wonderful to be wise, to analyze and interpret things. I, I want to challenge you this year. In 2016, how do I want to be? I want to be wise. I want to be wise. I want to make some wise decisions this year in every area of my life. In the places that I'm struggling, and the decisions that I'm having to make, I want to be wise in those decisions. And I'm convinced if we will learn what real wisdom is according to the Word of God, we'll learn how to live. It can impact every single area of our lives. Are you ready? Now listen, in the next few minutes, you're going to have the opportunity to be offended with me. All right? It might be because of the lack of food. And it might be because I'm teaching you right out of the Word of God. But I do believe that if you'll take these words to heart, if you're watching online, don't tune us out here. But if you'll take these words to heart and you'll apply them to your life, you will see things change in 2016 for the positive. All right. You want, I think we ought to start with a word of prayer this morning. Father, I love you. And I thank you. I thank you for being with us. I thank you for your presence that's here today. I thank you that I'm no longer a slave to fear because I'm a child of God. Lord, bless us today. Open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you and to be challenged by the power of your word. Do something great in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. First thing I want to ask you is this. Are you acting like a fool or like those who are wise? Now, none of us want to just admit, yeah, I'm a fool. But when we look through the lens of Scripture, are you acting like a fool or like those who are wise? You see, following Christ is not a casual endeavor. It's not something you just happen to do. It's a decision that you make and you stick to. Paul says, be careful how you live, meaning be cautious, pay attention. He says it like this in the English Standard Version, look carefully then how you walk. So imagine he is comparing our life with God, our life that we're living with how you walk. And when, when we walk through our life, there can be things in the way. Have you ever been not paying attention and maybe you walk through a, a door jam and, and you kicked the jam and you, and you almost stumbled and fell? Or maybe you weren't paying attention and you stepped off of a step. You didn't notice that there was a drop down or a curb and we stumble and fall. We have to be careful how we walk. We got to pay attention. This is the same thing that Paul is saying. He said, as you're going about your life, as you're living and walking day to day, if you're not careful how you're living, you'll end up stumbling. We don't live in a morally neutral climate. As much as, as, much as people want to tell us that, that our current culture is morally neutral, it is not. It is not. And, and there are things all over the place that are trying to pull you back into old ways, old habits, old things. We are bombarded day after day with things that are trying to pull us back into bad things or negative things or old habits or old hang-ups. You've been trying to get out of debt. 
You've been trying to pay off debt and, and, and to get into a better financial position. But the next thing you know, they're promising zero down and zero percent interest. You've been trying to beat pornography, but you, as you check in at the hotel, the, 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 on your uh, welcome thing it says to you, or on the television it says, the titles of the movies you select will not be printed on your bill. You see, we can go through life and, and day after day, things are pulling against us. They're pulling here, they're pulling there. You, can we just be honest, the Super Bowl's coming up next Sunday. The best commercials, commercials are always the beer commercials. They make it so cool to go out and, and just be drunk all the time. Am I wrong? Come on, now you're all looking at me like you're saved. I mean, going back to the days of the, the frogs saying Budweiser, uh, you know, Budweiser, you remember all that? It's uh, like they stick with you because there's always things that are trying to pull us off track. Have you done some really foolish things in your life? If you've lived long enough, if you've lived more than just a few years and you're honest with yourself, you can say, you know what? I have acted a fool a time or two. Um, we've all really done really done stuff, especially when we were young. Uh, we, we've, it's money we shouldn't have spent, cars we shouldn't have bought, investments we shouldn't have made, and invitations we shouldn't have accepted, relationships that we should have stayed out of, jobs we shouldn't have taken, uh, phone calls that we should have never have returned, uh, contracts that we shouldn't have signed, things that we should never have done. And we look back on those things and we say, how could I have been so dumb? You know what I'm How could I have been so dumb? We, we, we get the, the, um, the statement, hindsight is 2020. I mean, it, it's so clear. But can I ask you a question? When you were making the decision, how many of those decisions you knew what the wise thing to do was? You just didn't do it. We, we look back on it and we say, how could I be so foolish? How could I be so dumb? I should have known. But the truth is, we did know. We just ignored what was going on in our spirit. We knew it wasn't the right thing. We knew we shouldn't have done it. But you know what? It just felt good to do it. It just felt right to do it. And so we went on with it and we ignored. You say we ignored our gut, but I wonder if you were ignoring your guide, the Holy Spirit, all the way along. The Holy Spirit will guide us and he will lead us in, into all truth and to all righteousness. But if we ignore him, we can say, well, that was just, you know, my parents saying that. Or that was just some uh, other person in the church. That was just the pastor always wanting me to do the right thing. Well, but was the Holy Spirit inside of you telling you the right thing and you just didn't do it? You went your way and you look back on it. You're like, man, if I had only known. But the truth is we did know. So what do we do next? We then got, we're going to go, we're going to bestow our experience and wisdom upon someone else because if we could lay out our sob story before them i'm sure that they would hear our story turn from their ways and make wise decisions have you ever been there and people look at you like i don't really care what you have to say the same way you looked at people in your life when they were trying to tell you the wise thing to do we've all acted the fool We've all done things we regret. Did you know better? Common sense and advisors say we shouldn't have done it, but we thought we could beat the odds. We thought we could be the exception and not the rule. We say to ourselves when we see other people 
Could I have possibly been that naive, that stubborn, that foolish? And the simple answer is yes. When we watch, we can see so clearly the foolish decisions that other people are making. Have you ever noticed this? You can see so clearly when people are headed for a ledge. But we can't seem to see it when it's us. You see, most of us, we don't plan to mess up our lives, but few of us plan not to either. We don't plan to, to just ruin everything, but we don't plan not to. We just make a, a, a continual one unwise decision after the other, and you look up and we've messed up our lives. And we didn't intend to, but we didn't intend not to either. Living wisely. It's like walking outside on a sunny day. When you leave here today, you walk outside and, and the lights are how they are, and you walk outside in the sunlight, it's going to be hard to see. And your natural reaction is going to be retreat back into the shadows. When we have been walking and living like fools for a while, and suddenly we decide to take on the wisdom of God and live according to the wisdom of the Bible and of Scripture, it's, it's, we want to retreat back into the shadows because it's just easier that way. Y'all know what I'm talking about right now? Some of you already, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and you're not going to amen me today, and that's going to be okay, because I love you. We are masters at the art of self-deception. We make excuses to ourselves. We, we try to justify things to ourselves. We say, this won't hurt anyone. I'll only do it once. Uh, I haven't had any for a week. I'll be careful. I can handle it. I can quit whenever I want to. I can afford just a little bit more. But most of the time, we are fully aware of the game that we're playing. We are deceiving ourselves. Just the fact that you have to give yourself an excuse should be an alert to you. We don't normally have to rationalize wise decisions. Let me ask you this. Do you have to rationalize eating more vegetables and less sugar? No. Do you have to rationalize saving money instead of blowing it on the latest and greatest whatever? No, we don't have to rationalize making wise decisions. We, we rationalize when we get outside of wisdom and we start trying to convince ourselves. It's not hard to, to know that it is more wise to eat vegetables than that last bowl of bluebell. We don't sit around looking for reasons to do the right thing. It's the bad decisions that require creative thinking. We don't ask if it's wise because we don't want the answer. It gets in the way of living life the way we want to live it. So let me ask you this second question. Are you asking the wrong questions? So when you're about to make a decision, maybe you're facing a decision this week or, or this month or even today and you've got to make a decision and you're not sure what to do. Are you asking the wrong questions? First question we can ask ourselves, and, and this is the wrong question, but we ask this question, is there anything wrong with it? Instead of asking if it's wise, we ask, well, is there anything wrong with it? Uh, the assumption is that if there's nothing wrong with it, then it must be okay. If the Bible isn't absolutely clear, if there is no thou shalt not in Scripture, then there must be a thou shalt do as you please. If it's not illegal, unethical, immoral, then it qualifies as a good option, right? You see, 
it's not the places in Scripture. I, I, I think most of us at this point, if we, are, uh, if we love God and we want to follow God, we look at places in Scripture, and there are some things that are black and white in here. They're very simple. I mean, I, you know, I know you get angry, but most of us don't struggle with murdering on a daily basis, right? You don't have to contemplate, is that wise or not? It's very clear, thou shalt not murder. But there are other places when it gets kind of gray, and it gets a little bit more, uh, and, and, that's, and that's where these questions come in. If there is nothing that says thou shalt not, then maybe it's okay, maybe it's good, maybe it's the right thing, but that doesn't make it the wise thing. We, we start asking, is there anything wrong with it? But this leads us to the second question. How close can I get to the line between right and wrong without doing something wrong? Do you see the progression here? So we started with, well, is there anything wrong with it? Well, there's not, there's not clearly a scripture on it, Pastor Randon, so I'm good to go. Okay, then we lead to the next question. Well, okay, how close can I get to the line between right or wrong before actually doing something wrong? Christianese, we say it like this. How close can I get to sinning without actually sinning? How, you measure it like this. Uh, Jesus said... Uh, you have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, then you have already sinned. So we say, how many seconds can I look without it being lust? <laughs> Come on, man. I'm just being real. I was 16 and trying to stay saved too, and a male, okay? And so we, we say, how close can I get to the line before I actually sin. Because I don't want to sin. So how close can I get? We want clear, distinct lines, but they're not always there. The, the, the Pharisees were about clear, distinct lines. They created rules. They created clear lines. And as long as you didn't break those lines, you were fine. But Jesus changed the deal. He's, you're making it about the letter of the law, and Jesus is making it about the spirit of the law. Once you come this far... You, you go to the next question. So it starts with, is there anything wrong with it? Then is, uh, how close can I get to the line between right and wrong without doing something wrong? And then the third one is this, how far over the line between right and wrong can I go without experiencing consequences? How far can I go before I have to pay the price for what I've just done? How far can I go before I have to deal with the consequences of the unwise decision I just made? You see, we get to the place where it's no longer about, well, am I falling into sin? If we keep going down this line of thinking, it leads us to a place where we say, is anyone going to find out? And then if they do find out, how bad is it going to be? And we start weighing out the consequences versus the decision that we know is not right in the first place. And once we get to the place where we are managing consequences, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Are you, is there areas of your life when you're managing consequences where you know it's not the right thing to do, but you're trying to measure out, if I do this, how far over the line can I go? If, 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 I, if the speed limit is 70, can I go 72, 74, 76? 77, it's a school zone, I better not. Are we, are we measuring the consequences, right? 
You've all done that. You've been speeding, and you're like, okay, I'm in a hurry, so if I go two miles over, will he pull me over? As if that two miles over is actually going to get you in there real, you know, faster. If you do the math on it, it's like 20 seconds faster, so you did yourself really well. So we do this in life, though. It's easy to see when we're talking about speeding down the highway, but when it's talking about decisions that you're making in your life, are you going over the line? And you're trying to decide, when am I going to feel these consequences and how bad are they going to affect me? If If you're answering these questions this way, you're probably not living wisely. You're not being wise, but you're being unwise. It starts with, is there anything wrong with it? But it ends with, how did I get myself into this mess? Or asking the wrong questions. But asking the right questions can help us understand what God wants us to do. If we'll ask the right questions, we'll know what God wants us to do. You say, Pastor Ron, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, there's some questions we can ask that will help us narrow it down. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. He said this, Don't act thoughtlessly, English Standard Version, don't act foolishly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Much of my time in my life is spent praying, God, what do you want us to do for Triumph Church? What do you want us to do, me to do as the head of my household? What do you want me to do in my walk with you? What do you want me to do in this such situation or that? What do you want me to do? And, and God's, Paul tells us here that we can understand what the Lord wants us to do. It doesn't have to be that difficult. We can understand it. It doesn't have to always be a God uh, cracked the heavens and spoke and, and wrote something across the sky, but we can understand. I love that he doesn't say here to discover what God wants you to do or obey what God wants you to do. He says understand, meaning there is a way that we can arrive at what God is telling us to do, that we can comprehend it without getting a thus saith the Lord from, from the prophet. I love it because it takes us deeper than the black and white of Scripture. First, if you're not doing the will of God, then you're acting foolishly. It's very simple. If you're not doing the will of God and you're acting like a little second, if it's clear in the Bible, it shouldn't be hard to figure out wisdom, but it's those gray areas that we have to understand. Three questions I want you to ask yourself. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. In light of my past experience, what is the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? You see, here's the truth. Not all of us have the same past experiences. We all have strengths and weaknesses in our life. And if, and if, if you're sitting next to someone that thinks they're all strengths and no weaknesses, you can tell them that pride comes before the fall. <laughs> we all have strengths and weaknesses in our life. We all have propensities. Have you ever noticed that some people struggle with certain addictions. Other people struggle with other addictions. Some people struggle with this sin. Some people struggle with that sin. Some people can make great decisions in most area of their lives, but they consistently make poor decisions in one area of their life. Have you ever noticed that? That they could be great with their money. Always. They're always great with their money, but they struggle in their relationship with their wife or their husband. Or they could be great in their marriage and they're always putting their kids first and their wife first and God first and they're doing all these things right. But boy, they can't manage their finances to save their lives. Have you ever noticed that? 
It's not just about sin, but we, can all have, we all have strengths and weaknesses in our lives. So what we have to ask ourselves, based off of my experiences, where I've come from, what I've been through, uh, you know, there, there are people in this room, and, and I know many people this way, that you were a former, uh, formerly an alcoholic or a drug addict, or you were addicted to pornography. And so there are times when you, can go, you can't do what other people can do. You, you can have one drink, not because drinking is wrong for everyone, but for you, you know where you've been. For some people, they can manage credit cards no problem. They, they use them. They pay them off at the end of the month. They use them wisely. But for you, you had a spending problem. And it took 15 years for God to get you out of a hole that you dug with credit cards. You don't need one credit card. Are you tracking with me? In light of my past experience, what is the wise thing to do? You know, we we can keep repeating the same mistakes and blaming God and blaming the church and blaming the pastor and blaming the devil. But at the end of the day, it's because we are continuing to make the same mistakes. Philosopher George Santayana said it like this. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Bad relational habits are not corrected by new relationships. For some of us, temptations may be stronger than others. We have to recognize this upon our own life. In light of your past experience, what is the wise thing? What does the Lord want you to do financially? What does He want you to do professionally? What does He want you to do relationally? That leads us to the second question. In light of my current circumstances, what is the wise thing to do? You see, there are certain decisions that we're making in our life that they're not really a, a, a wrong or a bad decision. They're just wrong for the season of life that you're in. They just don't make sense for where you are. It's not about being the right thing or the wrong thing or the Bible thing. It's just in your situation. You know, I found uh, in coaching softball and baseball and uh, I pretty much have a general rule. I don't approach coaches or allow parents that are upset to approach me within 24 to 48 hours of an incident taking place. Because you, have you ever noticed that something will happen and we will get blown up mad, spitting fire, chewing everyone out? But a day or two later, you're like, man, I don't know, it wasn't that big of a deal. You're telling the story to someone, but your emotions have calmed down, so you're trying to get ramped up over it, but as you're telling the story, you're like, this is not as big a deal, but you're not going to admit that, so you stick to your, uh, you know, you stick to it, and you keep going, but you know in your heart, man, I'm making a bigger issue out of this as it, than it is. So there, there are circumstances in our life, you know, when, we're on, when we have a problem with a coach or, or a parent has a problem with me as a coach, we say, wait 24 to 48 hours, let the emotions calm down, and then let's have an irrational discussion about it. Sometimes in life, we're going through situations currently that it's not wise for us to do something. It, you're trying to get married, you're trying to start a family. And all that costs money. Maybe, maybe you're young and you're still in college and, and you're trying to make all this work. It's, it's probably not wise when you're about to have a baby to go buy an expensive car. Babies are expensive. So maybe we should consider it for just a moment. Right? 
There are current circumstances going on in our life that can tell us, is this wise or is it not wise? doesn't mean, is it right or is it wrong? doesn't mean, I don't want you to have a good car. I want you to have a good car. But, you know, maybe we should look at what it's going to take based off our current circumstances. You know, I've got a wedding to pay for, and I've got a ring to pay for, and I've got a honeymoon to pay for, and I've got a house to buy, and all these things. Maybe we shouldn't do that. What are you trying to do this year that... You know in your heart, based off of where you are today, you shouldn't do this because of current circumstances, but we just want to do it so badly. We have to fight the I want it now and I want it my way mentality that we as Americans can so easily take on. We have to fight that. We have to fight that. I I wish I could get an amen this morning. Is it wise in your current season of life? Understand that seasons of life change. Seasons of life change. And then number three, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? And where I want to go. You know, do you want to work for the rest of your life? Most of us don't want to work until the day we die. And if you don't want to work until the day you die, maybe you should get a 401k instead of Z28. That's a car. For those of you who don't have Maybe you should get a retirement plan instead of a new vehicle. Um, you know, maybe we should be a little bit more carefully, if, if spend our money a little bit more wisely if we don't want to have to work forever. Uh, have you already robbed yourself of your own dreams? If you're being honest, is the reality of where you are because you were robbed or because you made decisions to get you here? In light of your future hope and, hopes and dreams, Are you making wise or unwise decisions? Again, it might be wise for someone else, but that doesn't make it wise for you. Let's get specific. In light of where you want to be financially 10 years from now, what should you stop or start doing right now if you want to get to where you want to go? In light of what you want your marriage to look like in 10 years, what should should you stop doing or start doing today? In light of what you want your relationship to your chi- with your children to look like in 10 years or 15 years, what should you start doing or stop doing? In light of where you want to be in your job in 10 years, what should you start doing or stop doing? I want to ask you to do this for me, and I'm gonna, uh, uh, I want to read you this question right here. But I want to ask, and we're about to close, uh, Pastor Chris, if you'll help me. But I want to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Because in light of our past experience, in light of our current circumstances, in light of our future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do in our life? Are there situations that you know you have not been wise? You've not done what you were supposed to do. You're making decisions. Maybe you're making a decision today. And I want to ask you this question. I'm going to ask uh, every person in here to close your eyes for just a minute. And we're just going to take about 30 seconds, and I'm going to ask you this question, and I believe that that the Holy Spirit is going to begin speaking to you. He's going to begin to show you. Your eyes are going to be open. What you do with this information is up to you. You don't have to share it with anyone. You don't have to make any changes, but I believe the Holy Spirit's about to speak to you. Here's the question. In light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my, no one else's, my future hopes and dreams. What is the wise thing for me to do financially? 
What's the wise thing for me to do relationally? What's the wise thing for me to do morally, professionally, or spiritually? It's not about anyone else. It's just about you. It's about you and God. It's about your life, your dreams, your hopes, your past, your current situation, the things you're facing. I believe that right now the Holy Spirit is guiding you. He's speaking to people even now. You're getting answers. Father God, I thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. I thank you for sending me here today to challenge all of us, starting with myself, to do the wise thing. Lord, I pray that right now, whatever situation is going on in our life, both in this room or at home, whatever decision we're facing, whatever struggle we're facing, Lord, I declare that you're giving answers right now. You're giving answers. You're giving answers. Speak, Holy Spirit. Speak, Holy Spirit. Make things clear to us. Show us the wise thing to do. We don't want to live as fools, but we want to know what you want to do. We want to live according to what you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.